Hello and welcome to another episode of the Point Forward Podcast. I apologize in advance if my voice is not coming through quite as clear, quite as smooth as it normally is. I'm feeling a little under the weather, but uh, PJ, I'm going to lean on you this week and I I think that there's going to be plenty for, for you to talk about, so I think the timing worked out well. Although, it brings me no joy uh, given the circumstances of, of a lot of what we'll be talking about on the podcast today, but what's going on, man? I will remember Fred. Will Fred remember me? It's a sad day. I hate gar packs. They can kiss my ass. Thanks for none of the memories. <laughs> well, at least your voice is still coming through smooth. Oh. Oh, it's going to come hard through hard <laughs> hard okay. well uh you know there's no reason why we should just be delaying the inevitable here let's dive right, right? in let's buddy. just let's let's start talking about the uh everyone wants to talk about tobias harris player of the month right that's the big <laughs> news uh so yesterday it was reported fred hoiberg was fired as the head coach of the chicago bulls after a 5 and 19 start uh, they lost uh, with uh, they lost against the Pacers tonight in his first game without Fred Hoiberg. Old, old um, Jimmy Boylan. Yeah, who I'll be honest, I'd never heard of before. Not um, to be confused with the other Jim Boylan that wasn't for, took over for the Bulls at one point when they fired Scott Skiles and was the. Is, uh, well, I don't think he's still on the cat. He's not on the Cavaliers bench anymore. He's suing the Cavs. That Jim Boylan. That's not this. That Jim Boylan. This is kind of man baby looking Jim Boylan. Well, that Jim Boylan went twenty four and thirty two that season. So I'd say if you can get that out of that uh, was after this Boylan, you're going to be just fine. That was after they fired Scott Skiles on Christmas. That's hard. They even give Fred till Christmas. They fired Fred on his wife Carol's birthday. Maybe we can make it to Christmas. He couldn't make it to Christmas. Well, PJ, I w- initial thoughts. Hit me. Hit me with your initial thoughts. Obviously, you're sad. I'm not even sad. It's not sadness. It was honestly uh, not even like, a little. Your no, I started team, out with your favorite coach. Oh, my favorite guy. Yeah, but my favorite team. Uh, sure, but they're not really run like a real organization um <clears throat> no i mean my initial thing was i was kind of like wow i didn't see this coming uh neither did fred evidently uh it didn't make sense to me uh at all um i think uh just the timing of it and then it was really just kind of a wait and see of all right, what is Gar Pax going to come out with as the reason they did this? Because it just, there wasn't anything that, uh, as far as things that they had communicated, that I was like, ooh, this is going to turn bad, ugly, quick. Um, I mean, and then we, we get to what their eventual kind of summary was that they thought the team lacked a overall uh, energy and spirit. And they thought it changed needed to be made before that got worse. And then there were other reports that came out later. Some turmoil in the locker room. Guys were going to revolt, which I think was a little dramatic. Um, but that there just was like some of the class, like Fred had lost the locker room. And, and there was guys that were not listening or that he wasn't commanding the voice of the locker room as well as uh, – and that they targeted back to a game where we had talked about was that Bulls Warriors game, where uh, I guess before the game had even ended, John Paxson had gone to the locker room, and it just wrote on the whiteboard like coaches meeting at 9 a.m. for the next day, in which he reamed them out and kind of outlined some effort and just like very vague, you know, very kind of easy things almost you could say to to as reasons to to fire someone um 
And it would be, without uh, duly noted, that Fred's last game coaching was Laurie Markkinen's first game playing this season. And he is yet to play, um, well, we've got some of it in this. So I thought one thing we would do is just to give everyone the overall kind of Fred Hoiberg Bulls tenure backstory. Uh, Before you think, go into the full backstory page, yeah, I, I would I th- like to give my quick opinion on the yeah, whole thing. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah, I wanted to get your takes, but I think that's kind of how we're going to give some background to this and then talk about the the next steps with it but yeah it was uh i i can't say i was expecting it to break at like monday morning uh in the way it did um but you know you're never really prepared for these things when they happen ultra they just kind of they happen and the feelings you have but um about it you're not you think you know how you'd feel but that you get to it it's a little different and but I do feel a lot of the sentiment that I thought I would feel kind of like this. Um, just with how this whole thing has been handled since Jump Street. But, yeah, what were your thoughts when you just when you saw the Shams bomb? Worst Shams tweet ever. Well, I was definitely very surprised by all of it. To, to just give some background, just my feelings towards Fred, because everyone understands how much you love Fred, and he's the head coach of your basketball team, so all good things. My guy before I that. I have nothing negative against Fred. 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 I don't have anything I don't negative. like Fred. Fred, yeah, I, like. I I've got no problems with Fred. I thought that he was an a absolute spectacular college coach. Uh, at Iowa State, his recruiting, getting the most out of his players, and played a very NBA-esque style basketball, hence why, you know, there was a draw to get him to come to the NBA. Um, His rosters were okay his first few years with the Bulls. You know, he's right around 500. He made the playoffs. Uh, He had a top... Yeah, at the time, Jimmy wasn't quite as good as he is now, but, you know, a solid, solid player. I uh, can kind of build off of a little bit. But by any stretch, there have been some locker room problems since he got there. And what made no sense to me, like the fact that he ultimately, the Bulls decided to let Fred go was not surprising because, look, they've, they've been pretty bad uh, last year and this year, and if they would have decided to move on this past off season or after this season or at the all-star break or something. Uh, if the, assuming the bulls continue to not play very well, it would have made more sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is that you have a team that you knew when you structured this or should know when you structured and made the signings you did this past off season. And the, you know, your first round picks the last two years. Like Wendell Carter, he's going to be a, a solid defensive center. That's his floor, I think. Not to say he can't score a little bit, too, but like I think his floor, his, his, the most value he brings to the table is like he's going to be a really versatile, good defensive center. Lori Markkinen could be, you know, you can play a little at the five. You have some more flexibility with what you can do for him. And, you know, when he's at his best, he's a huge asset length shooting and surprisingly more athletic than you'd think but this is this is a young roster and they have second youngest in the league not a ton of defense not a ton, not a ton of defensive upside so i don't know what you're expecting to get out of fred 24 games into the season that that you weren't really going to get like if if they had won five more games and they were sitting at 10 and 14 is does he still have a job I don't know, but I, I don't think it's a fair shake to him um, because they're they're banged up. They have, like you said, they got Lori back for a game. So just the timing of it makes no sense, and it's definitely a sign of just more dysfunction in that front, front office, which, hey, as a Timberwolves fan, I'm well acquainted with. This is this is fifteen years of this, buddy. And oh, yours yours is a l- little bit more of a stretch, but. Uh, Timberwolves certainly aren't the spitting image of uh, what you'd want to see with an NBA franchise. Either. No, they're not a well-run machine either. I mean, 
So I mean, I, I do. I would say if you you really get down to it, though, if I guess to, to segue into this because I think Zach Lowe did a really really good job of just summarizing this, but it does feed into my larger point of the question being with this whole thing is when did Fred Hoiberg ever really have a chance to succeed with this team? When did they ever actually give him the actual tools for what they brought him in to do, what he wanted to run for an offense, and how, in general, I mean, he was, they said yesterday he wasn't fired because of wins and losses, but that it was this lack of energy and effort and spirit, and they needed a change in, like, where the things were trending, but same time well we'll get to the roster but so Zach Lowe wrote this yesterday uh, I'm not gonna read the full thing but just the beginning part of this I think does for anyone that isn't following the Bulls on year to year basis or anything uh, this does a pretty good job to get us to where we were came to as of yesterday and where we'll kind of change the conversation as far as moving forward so so from Zach Lowe uh, Here's a summary of Fred Hoiberg's tenure since the Bulls' vaunted, exhausted worldwide search. A thing that never happened and is now a punchline inside league circles. Unearthed him as Tom Thibodeau's replacement in the spring of 2015. Year 1. Hoiberg inherits the remnants of the Thibodeau defensive grinders. Grinders. Joakim Noah is in decline. Ice. Straight- what? Ice. 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 A stray elbow busts Derrick Rose's orbital bone during a preseason practice, the first preseason practice I'll make a side note of, uh, slowing his integration in Hoiberg's offense. Jimmy Butler emerges as Chicago's best player by far and annoys teammates by flaunting his new alpha dog status. Clashes with Hoiberg. After a mid-December loss, Butler declares that the Bulls need to be coached harder at times, early indication that Butler doesn't fully respect Hoiberg's authority. The organization was concerned about Hoiberg's hold over the team then, and never really stopped being concerned until Monday morning's announcement. The Bulls are light on shooting and heavy on ball stoppers. A poor fit for Hoiberg's preferred pace and space style. Holdover players urge Hoiberg to reinstall some of Thibodeau's old sets. Sources tell ESPN in the winter of 2015, Fred put in a lot of ball movement, but we have a lot of guys who hold the ball a lot. Noah tells ESPN then. We move to year two. Then Bulls, the Bulls trade Derrick Rose and let Noah walk to New York, presumably opening a path to a roster more style for Hoiberg's system. They sit out in free agency in 2016, the summer of the cap spike of Biznak Biombo, Timothy Mozgov, Ian Mahimi, Luol Deng, Ken Bazemore, and um, Noah hoarding their, their space for future summers and or in-season money dumps from teams about to feel intense buyer's remorse. Smart. But as free agency lurches to a halt, the Bulls notice two decorated all-star veterans remaining available. They cannot resist the chance to add Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade on fat, partially guaranteed two-year deals, vaporizing that carefully carved out and handing Hoiberg, pace and space Hoiberg, perhaps the worst three-pointing shooting team in the league. To cap it off, they trade Tony Snell for Michael Carter-Williams. They sneak in the playoffs. They lead the top-seeded Celtics 2-0 before Rondo injures his thumb, lose next four games. They also give us three alphas, maybe the worst nickname for any cluster of stars ever in any sport, and certainly the most absurd. Year three, full scrap everything and rebuild. They wave two alphas and trade the third, Butler, plus number 16 pick, to Minnesota for Zach Levine, Laurie Markkinen, and Chris Dunn and go to the season. Bobby Portis breaks Nikola Miritich's face. Miritich returns in December. He hits many three-pointers. The Bulls win many games. The Bulls don't want to win many games. The Bulls trade Miritich for Omer Sheik. Many buckets of Omer Sheik's sweat and what would become a late first-round pick, which was the very bouncy Chandler Hutchinson. They were bad on purpose. Well, I still like. Yeah, no, I'm not gonna. We're, we'll we'll get to we'll get to them. And and a bad on purpose. They are bad on purpose and select Wendell Carter Jr. with the number seven pick. Good. Year four. The Bulls signed Javari Parker to a two-year, forty million dollar deal. Second year, 
at there is an option. Instead of potentially using their their space to rent Denver's bad contract and another for add another first round pick. Uh, all right, this is this is where we were kind of go into where he, he breaks down into some moves about the Bolts could have made, but um, to his large part, um, this this little stat that I did want to get off, and uh, it would be the, the fact that, so you look at the Bulls, and so Zach says in here, Hoiberg wanted to shoot threes. The three alpha Bulls ranked 28th in three-point percentage, and the team has been around league average since. Three alphas crashed the hell out of offensive glass. The last two iterations ranked near bottom of the league in that category. Their pace of play, another alleged Hoiberg hallmark, jumped all over the place. Hoiberg loves to shift the ball side to side. The Bulls ranked 10th, 10th, 15th, and 13th in passes per game over his tenure per NBA.com. He talked before the season about installing a famed San Antonio .5 rule, a command no player hold the ball longer than a half a second before shooting, passing, or driving. Shockingly, some players, ones he did not pick, had trouble with that. And he continues on the story, and, and, and where they're going is, um, you know, he talks about the, the future of the Bulls. And I definitely recommend, if you really have interest, to, to read more of it. But um, So you kind of read that in, in Ultra. I got to ask yourself, like, at what point in, in any of that summation, which I, I have to agree with pretty much that's the how I would have laid this out. At what point do you, do you in that article or, or just in that timeline of things would you say, Hey, yeah, the you know, the the Bulls the Bulls really gave Fred Oyberg the keys to a, a well oiled machine or Yeah, they he finally had the, were he had a up. roster that suited the style of basketball he wanted to play or at the very least, had a ton of talent on his roster. And the answer is that he never had those things. Not a fair shake. And clearly and, not in sync with, with what his GM is wanting to do. Well, it's not even in sync. He, he was following. There is, and, and I will argue this point, is that he was following the company line. He was he was being a good old company man, and they were they were changing this on him. He got brought in to... Take over for Thibodeau because they were frustrated and didn't want Thibodeau. Thibodeau clashed out with Gar Foreman. So the essentially the Bulls were front office, didn't like that Thibodeau was getting all the credit for their with Derrick Rose and this team. And so you, you out that coach, you bring in Fred, you sell him a, a bag of, of false goods and, and make him think that he's coming into this team that's ready to win and Automatically bringing him in, no one was thinking that this the roster the Bulls had at that time was going to fit his system. But perhaps he could modernize their offense and they could maintain the defense they were at before. And then, you know, let's see where that takes them. And you never get that. Derrick Rose is not the player he was with Thibodeau. And there really was at no point, and this is this is one thing I would contend if you you compare Fred to. I think I've brought this comparison up before. Brad Stevens. Not to say that, you know, I think at this point we can establish that Brad Stevens is a good coach. Agree? That's probably fair to say, yes. So what was one thing that, that the Celtics, though, as a well-run organization, did with him coming in with a guy who Fred got a coach later, but Rajon Rondo, who was a decorated, was an NBA champion, Better on the team. Brad Stevens says, I can't coach this guy. I need him gone. What does the what does the Celtics do? They empower their head coach and they trade Rajon Rondo. Now I would point to two pivotal points early in the Bulls thing where it's you look at the Jimmy Butler, now, Coach Harder comments. Poke one one hole in that though. They got a good return for Rondo. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. I'm just saying, I don't think you can just say like, oh, Gotta make Brad happy. Let's trade him for a second round or move on. They but, got I think they got two firsts from the Mavs in that deal. Uh yeah, I'd have to but in general, the coach communicates to you, hey, I don't want this guy. This guy is not gonna work. He's making my job more difficult. Management is aligned themselves with the coach. When you bring this guy in and you're replacing Fred with over you're replacing Tom Tivito with Fred Hoiberg. 
You think if you were the front office, you would be doing a damn, making it a damn emphasis early on to empower your head coach. And this 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 luring concern of like him being able to command the locker room and stuff, I get it. But guess what? That problem was in some part started because you never empowered him. And he was, I mean, his personality is not going to be one that, and this is definitely one of his faults that he never was able to get over. And I don't think whoever, actually, because it's just his mindset of basketball is like, you're being paid to be a basketball player, like you're a professional. So there's a certain level of of laissez-fairness to Fred's style because he thinks like, he's not going to physically make a person you know, shoot in the gym or work on stuff. He will work with the players. He, I think, showed player development aspects that he could help develop these young players and, and worked with this rebuild. But he didn't come on originally to be in a rebuild and was sold kind of this fake contending team that then got shifted into a rebuild and went along with it. And you thought, but, but even through this rebuild, as Zach, Zach Lowe points out in this even, at what point do you really have – a roster that works for what he's doing. They were constantly contradicting and going against his style of play. And not at what point, like Nate, I can't really think of a pace and a pace and space player they added of and all their free agency signings. Not one of those guys would be that type of person, a veteran player to add to that. No. They're drafting guys, sure, and, and making trades to hopefully develop those guys into it because they like their potential and they have attributes of it. But like a bona fide player of that, they're not doing that. Um, You're right. I agree with all that stuff. I think what ultimately led to his firing is that it's clear that he just, he wasn't meshing with play. Like he just was not mm. meshing with players on in his locker room. I'm not saying everybody, but it was a theme with Jimmy it was a theme with that roster and well yeah there's the, you know those are the rumblings coming out this year and ultimately if you're a coach and players are unhappy with you and i'm not saying just like a player but the, your locker room in general is pretty unhappy with you that's uh that's um not i mean that can't work it's not sustainable well, right. and there's the point of you look at like a week or two it was yeah, a week and a half ago Zach Levine, end of game against the Spurs. Fred wants Wendell Carter to come up for a screen. Zach brushes him off and just does an ISO pull-up three-point shot oh, to was, try to win. That was bad. So that's a mark, and you could say, but you know, following up, any of the Bulls' blowouts this year were were essentially they, – they, they did respond and, and came back and, and either won a game or it was – a three-point margin, I think it was the biggest of any of their, like, major blowouts. Um, so to kind of turn this to the, just, like, the future of the Bulls, because I, I – and the national sentiment of this was the same, and I agree, is, like, whether or not – I'm not going to try to make the argument of, like, is Fred a good coach and NBA coach or not? Because I, I just really don't think – We don't know enough. We have enough that. to say that because he just was never given a roster, never really given a fair shot. Steve Kerr said it yesterday brought it up and said it in his pregame comments before their game. So, like, league-wide, and, and it, 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 if it's that obvious to everyone, I do have to say then to, to, to Gar Foreman and John Paxson, and I guess John Paxson wants to take the blame for this, so sure, like, he can for the, the failure of, like, the fact that Fred failed. He's saying, you know, that in, in the end of the day it falls on me. Fine, that's cool. Uh because no one understands why you did this when you did it. Essentially, my interpretation of it is that they had concerns about Fred going into this year. Decided to bring Fred back because they had changed up and, and basically brought him in for whatever reason. I had made peace with the idea that probably if this team, when it got good, Fred Hoiberg would not be the coach of it. But I was hoping he would, was at least getting to get to develop this far enough that, like, could turn into a different NBA head coaching job, at least to show him that he could show that he could, even despite all of the, the things that worked against him, like he was doing, I think, a pretty good job fighting against all of that. And at least produced, I think, a competitive roster and did a lot that was working against him. 
Um, but ultimately, I think this management was looking at it and the, the, the effort, whatever you want to take of it, but you don't have – you're starting Ryan Archie Giacomo. Love Archie. Hey. Love him. Take it easy. Shouldn't be your starting point guard. And the issue is because your starting point guard, Chris Dunn, is hurt. Your, who was supposed to be your sixth man, Bobby Portis, hurt. Your current focal point of your rebuild, Larry Markin, hasn't played a game yet. So you can't tell me, though, that like before those guys come back, and this is a franchise who has in the past loved to blame injuries for lack of uh, performance on the court. Suddenly injuries aren't convenient for them anymore. That's not a good excuse. It was it was hustle, effort, things that they would that were actually vaunted and lauded by during Tom Thibodeau's time. And so you get the loud screamer. You want the the more player friendly, soft spoken, you know, good communicator in Fred. Then you replace him with Jim Boylan, who's basically generic discount store Tom Thibodeau fine but but let's let's look and like this is where I want to ask you though ultra like what of this like if, if you were thinking of like the Bulls coaching job like how many there I, I could only think of one or two jobs I would want less than the Bulls job right now oh really yeah I mean, I guess you got to deal with the front office, so that's obviously right. With the front office included, all like all things considered, the positive is that they have some young talent. Sure. And while you have Levine locked up, I I don't think I think most people think a lot better of that deal now than they did when it was signed this summer. I don't like it as much. Well, I know that. We were talking about how great he looked on this podcast. Like he does, he looks good. But I'm I'm really getting to this assumption he is going to be, which is something I've I've have said before. But he it's just everything he's doing so far. He is not to this point shown anything of if his game or he's not going to be anything more than a good player on a bad team. I think ultimately, I think you he could, may be he may be that guy. You're right. right. And but I my feel point, like, yeah, continue with your point. My point in all of this is saying that they're going to have some cap room because, I, I mean, I, if they picked oh. up Jabari's option, I would be shocked. Shot, yeah. So uh, they're going to have cap room, and they're going to have Wendell Carter and Laurie Marketing to, to build off of. never signed a free agent of significance with this front office. Their two biggest signings have been Carlos Boozer and Ben Wallace. I'm not saying that they're going to get an all-star. I'm just saying that they're they going to be one. a team with money. Yeah. Uh, when there aren't going to be, they're going to be more teams with money this coming offseason, but not not a ton with max cap room. The sure. Bulls will, and they're going to have another good pick, maybe a top. You know, they could have the number one pick in next year's draft. Be like, fucking a miracle. So if they're then that you got, who knows who that ends up being? Hopefully, RJ Barrett. If it's RJ, if it's Zion, you pair them up next to these other two bigs that you have, and that's something to build off of. And if you can then go get maybe not two max guys, but like Tobias Harris is a free agent. If you told me Tobias Harris next year was going to be a bull, like maybe that doesn't excite you. I no. think Tobias Harris is good. That doesn't move the meter for me. That's just a, that's a block towards being a bottom tier M- at team in the East, which I'm not here for. I'm not here for that. That's what this. I think that's. I think that's what this franchise wants to be, though. Is just in the playoffs, and they did this rebuild to kind of get there. But well, I think their best shot at getting, they like, contending for a championship again is that they probably have to draft that guy. Yeah, I, I think so. Which you think is wild to think because you're in the third biggest media market. Uh in the league but you're run like a family run organization uh yeah the only two jobs i could think of ultra were the the if i were a upcoming head coach like first time head coach like i think i would take the bulls job over the Cavs job and i wouldn't take or or the wizard's job but not the suns 
I would take the Suns job before. I mean, the Suns have inadequate ownership and management too. Uh, and they're not in as big of a market and have even less pull than Chicago does. They've got good. They probably have a better pool of young talent than the Bulls do. So yeah. that's the draw. Yeah, I still I would rather. T- I'd rather go to the bigger market. Give me Chicago. Maybe. Yeah, I mean Phoenix is nice. Phoenix is a nice area though. Uh, so kind of to, to to get on my stepping stool here though really is that I, and I kind of contended this from the beginning I was like uh, the res- resignation I had that Fred would probably get fired at some point during this I knew they were going to do him dirty I just didn't know how I don't think I think he probably knew they were going to do him dirty he didn't know how for them to do it this way though was infuriating because it's just once again they've contradicted themselves every step of the way and John Pax wants to say it's his fault fine but, like like we said, who did they actually give to Fred to actually give him a fair shot to actually implement he wanted to and show whether or not he could be a good coach or not? They never did it. Instead, you do, uh, and, and this is where I will turn to to a greater point of, of I don't think Fred should be the only one to go uh, at all. I, I want to know what gar foreman does for this bulls organization that's been positive and what does he do now and what like john paxson talks in front of the mic he's doing that because gar's not very good at public speaking or whatever um but what does gar foreman do because so far he, he is the i i close my eyes at night if i think about gar foreman which is never a good thing but first thought that comes to my mind about gar foreman these days is this he is the on his resume, the bullet point number one is guy who traded for not only Michael Carter-Williams, but Cameron freaking Payne. Not just signed him, not take a chance on him, traded assets for him. He went and took Cameron Payne is a result of trading for Doug McDermott, Taj Gibson. Doug McDermott was a part of a draft day trade where they had two picks that ended up being Yusuf Nurkic and Gary Harris. So Doug McBurner was a flop. You turned him into a worse flop. Like you've, you've gone from like good, and I like the Doug McBurner pick at the time. I can't pretend I didn't. Yep, that just did not pan out. Yeah, you, you, you've, you've never. He is. I, I have no evidence to say Gar Foreman. Why Gar Foreman sells a job is beyond me. Fred was his guy. His pick. It was who he wanted. He thought it was perfect to replace Thibodeau. If Fred goes, I thought I think I thought Gar should have gone too. And maybe it's setting up. Randy Brown also resigned today, who's an assistant who is allegedly one of was one of Gar's spies in the locker room, especially for Thibodeau. So he's gone, so maybe you know, it, maybe it sets up in in some ways that you could Gar gets fired at the end of the year. He could also get an extension. Uh, which would be infuriating beyond belief, but these are two guys that are operating in a way that they have lifetime deals and they don't have to worry about job security and they can just make up the rules as they go along. And it sucks for Fred. I think he will have an outside chance at uh, another NBA coaching job if he decides ultimately, you know, it's easier to have the job security and, Everything he will have his hand pick of a college job, but this Bulls franchise is the future of it. I don't know, and I'm I'm mad. I'm pissed. I think Jim, I don't know what they've they've set it up that Jim Boylan is going to now get to have all these guys come back and be healthy. They they're going to probably play better, and then they're going to say that it was the coaching change that did it. But this. These guys are, have done nothing throughout the course of their time as running this team. Since the Derek, since Derrick Rose got hurt, this these guys have done nothing. That's what I will say. That since Derrick Rose's ACL injury, this these guys have perpetually tried to cover their own asses and make themselves and be in self-interest and do every move they can to look like they're competent and they're adequate doing their job and not to be fired. And they've covered their asses, and they've changed everything. But in the grand scheme of the Chicago Bulls franchise, you had Michael Jordan, and you had that dynasty. 
Then it went down in flames at the end. And since then, all you've gotten is the luck that you got that 1.9% chance that all those balls bounced your way and you got Derrick Rose to jump in this mini championship window. He has the terrible injuries. That derails it. But pretty much throughout the rest of the time the Bulls have been a franchise, they've been below average and, 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 and bad. They've been a bad organization. Uh, granted, I, I will not pretend like it's, uh, you know, worse than a lot of other franchises. <laughs> like, it's sure, but in my lifetime, like, I remember the last two Jordan championships barely. Since then, you know, we had a, a couple fun years with Derrick Rose. But what else has this team done? And, and, and these guys have been in charge. Well, John Paxson has been running the Bulls now for 15 years. I don't think he would ever get fired, but I don't understand why he continues to have Gar Foreman in there and and why they are not being held more accountable. They have a clear message that they're communicating to their fans, communicating out, and they're actually following through with it. And the moves that go along with it follow that plan. Because even now, they're doing a rebuild. We don't really know what this rebuild is going towards. There is not a consistent plan. They are making it up on the fly. And this this shows it right here because play tonight, Jim Boylan was was doing his best effort to be, you know, Mr. Coach Harder. I think he was trying to do the definition of that Jimmy Butler quote of Coach Harding. He's clapping hands. The first bucket Zach Levine scores, he runs over the, down the bench and tries to get every other guy to clap. He's slapping Archie Dacmo on the ass. He's holding Wendell Carter's hand in, with his right hand and, and Jabari Parker with his left hand and holding him off as they walk towards the bench and looking him in the eyes and talking to him. Let me see how that crap works in 20 games from now because I don't think that's going to change what, what Fred was doing either. But it, 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 is, it is frustrating because, like I said at the beginning, they didn't empower him. They, just, they never empowered him. They never gave him a fair shot. And he got done dirty by a bunch of con men. Uh, Bulls will not be receiving many of my funds until this. Probably until they change something. Like, I need Garforman gone before they see a dime from me again. I watch them on TV, all that stuff. But, like, going to a game, I'm not going to support their their crap there. I was going to say, so you're getting rid of league pass. Is that what you're saying? No, I love the NBA. But, like, as far as... Seeing direct money go into they the get, Bulls. They get a cut from that, brother. Yeah, other teams do too that entertain me and put good basketball product out there. So Worth it. Yeah. Well, Fred, we'll miss you, man. Looking forward to seeing what you do next. Maybe you'll be the Minnesota coach. Maybe he follows Tibbs again. You know, I was actually going to say that I would glad. You know what? I know that Timberwolves have been playing a little bit better lately. They're a little more fun to watch, but sign me up for Hoiberg. We can. I don't think Fred would have any problems with you know honestly though like Cat and uh, shit I, I'd be Cat and Wiggins aren't gonna give him a hard time in that locker room. I do not think that they would give him a hard time, and while I still don't think this is necessarily the roster that really fits his. Scheme, no, probably not. I mean they they still have some three point shooting and they're young and athletic and fits it more than any roster the Bulls has. But so. I don't know, man. The the Timberwolves have. Uh... Since the Jimmy Butler trade, they've been pretty good, my friend. They're they've had a very easy schedule. Sure, um, I will say that they got got to play the Nets twice. They um, they did beat the Rockets the other night. They've lost the Grizzlies. They lost the Celtics at home. But um, you know they're they're definitely playing much much better. Cat is still not shooting a very efficient clip from the field and not blowing me away most nights, but much more aggressive um, and much better from a rebounding standpoint, just overall defensive effort. Uh, Wiggins is, wow, he can't buy a, a made shot right yeah. now. But, Neither can um, Zach Levine. Uh, Robert Covington's been kind of the key to all of it. Yeah, He, he has been really good better than advertised defensively and Fred or uh, we all got Fred on our mind don't worry buddy uh uh Tom Thibodeau is really loving 
loving playing Covington like 38 minutes a night. He's Which just taking full advantage of that. Is the least surprising thing. Yes. Ever. Yeah. But uh, hey, I I mean, the guy can the guy can guard one through four. Really yeah. no problem. He had a really he had a really great block on Clint Capella last night. That ended up being a jump ball. Yeah, he's he's just deceptively long and really has nice. there's not a, not a shot that he doesn't like shooting. And he's do you think Tibbs is going to be able to coach his way to saving his job though? They're going to hit a tougher uh, stretch of their schedule. But you're going to have second and, half cat, buddy. And cat's probably going to start. Cat will probably start playing better, right? I mean, that's what we've seen the last few years. I love second half cat. He's my favorite kind of cat. He is. Once they're a just lot outside fun. the playoffs, they're going to be at the nine. They'll be at the ten or nine spot. Start to play well, and then just just they'll barely miss those playoffs, though. Yep. It certainly seems like that's what's going to happen, right? I mean, it seems like this team's going to finish about 41 yeah. and 41 and yeah. just miss the playoffs. That's, I was just about to say, it feels like a 40 or 41 win track for them. Like they, they might just alternate wins and losses for the rest of the season. Right now they're 12 and 12. Hells yeah. 10th in the Western Conference. Grab bag. Mavs are going to jump to 12 and 10. They're beating the Trailblazers tonight. Trailblazers are falling to 13-11. I mean, honestly, the West is just... I mean, right now, Nuggets and Clippers are tied at 16-7 at the top of the conference. But the Timberwolves in the 10th spot are only four and a half games behind. I mean, there's... there's, And then right there, Pelicans 12-13, Spurs 11-12, Rockets 11-12, Jazz 11-13, and the Suns are sitting at the very bottom at four. Is there a bad team in the West? I mean, the Suns are bad. Yeah, that is for sure. But is that any the of those one? Other te- I don't think you could say Sacramento is bad right now. I they're don't think other- you can either, buddy. I mean, they're not bad. The no. Jazz, even though they're sitting, I mean, they're 14th and they're two games below 500. They're beating that Spurs ass right now. And they're yeah, they're about to be 12 and 13, and Spurs are going to fall to 11 13. So after tonight. The Spurs will be the 14th out of 15 teams in the Western Conference. Yeah, that's wow. That's crazy, right? It's it is insane. I mean, you could make the, you could make the argument, especially if you've watched the Spurs in the last few weeks, because wow, they got. I mean, we talked about it last week. They got the doors blown off them by the T Wolves, and then they played the Houston last weekend and got the same thing done again. They yeah. just can't they don't score. seem like they just can't they, score. They can't score, and when you when you're not putting any pressure on the other team to really get stops and making it pretty easy for them, uh, they get a little more. They get more transition opportunities, more second chance still opportunities. Gonna hit that which over, you're baby. seeing. I hope so. That. It's They're not looking good. I see the updates for our bets, but yeah, I mean, in summation, PJ, uh, the Western Conference is I. I have no idea what the hell is going on, but that's fun. That's fun. I will say that uh, Timberwolves are fun to watch now, more fun than they were the first month of the season. I want that again. I want fun basketball again. Maybe it will be it'll be nice once you know the core pieces of a rebuild that, that you're you're going through are all healthy and back in place. Then you can actually see what that team's going to look like. Right. Maybe there's a little bit more spirit and energy once the Actual players that are supposed to be playing are in that place. That's not all on the coach. Right. Maybe you sign um, someone that can play defense so that there is that defensive effort. But let's uh, let's talk quick um, about the – so the Nuggets moved into a tie for first place, being the Raptors last night. Which Very was really impressive win. win. Very impressive win. But more surprising, I'd say, like the Nuggets had, had a really hot start to the season – and cooled off a little streak. bit. Now, now they're looking good again. They've won six One, in a row. Yeah. Yep. Clippers tied with them at sixteen and seven. Neither yeah, of us man. were very hot on the Clippers going into no. this season. Uh, have I mean they just have this a is really bizarre roster, but it's working. It's working. I don't know. What, I think it maybe said over the summer, but I was. I was really curious what this with this Clippers team. I could have seen it turn 
Maybe it was after Austin Rivers got traded. It was just kind of one of those. Well, is this turn? Is this where the where the turn happens on Doc Rivers? And if things don't start out so well, like he's this is kind of the the last run of Doc Rivers because I've you know, Doc Rivers won a championship, sure, but like in general, like overall, like some of those Celtics teams, sure, but like he has not put together many like really impressive coaching performances in my opinion where like there's where I think he's very good as far as having talent making sure that talent hits and doesn't underperform but I've never seen like a team of his really go above and beyond expectations like this is this is a very good case if this continues because I think we're all thinking it is when's the shoe dropping on this thing? Because they even had some hot starts with Chris Paul and Blake and DeAndre, and then they kind of came back down to earth and, and had some bad runs. And, you know, you're, every NBA team is going to have a bad stretch or two. Maybe let John Paxson and Gar Foreman know that. Uh, but for this team, like, it, this might be – this might be Doc Rivers' most impressive coaching performance, in my opinion. Like this, this might sell me on not being quick to kind of throw some shade at Doc, because I've, I have no idea with, especially with some of the, with playing Shade Gilders, Alexander, like some of these, he's playing some young guys, playing some guys who've never really been focal points on teams before. The Montrose Herald is, holy crap! Like the steal he's been, like for them. Yep. Coming off the bench is it was insane. Yeah, so he's averaging sixteen and a half points a game, which is really out of nowhere. Um, but then you got guy like Lou Williams is doing his typical Lou Williams thing, yeah. pouring it in, playing under twenty six game twenty six minutes a night. Tobias is their like go to every night. But he, here's the thing for me is that they this team stayed healthy. When you think about guys that have been plagued with injuries recently, but just really over the course of their careers, too, like Gallinari, constantly injured. Avery Bradley has not been able to stay healthy the last few years. Same with Pat Beverly. These guys have all been healthy this year. But but they... And it still doesn't make sense how successful they've been in the West, though. But, like, even this team, like, if they can keep this level of play up, though, like... They've got some. They've got a lot of redundancies on this team that are still playing well together. Like like between like certain there, there's there's a lot of redundancy on this team that if someone were to go down, I, I think the biggest one that would hurt them would be if Tobias was gone for a same amount of time. But like overall, there's between their guards and their their, their front court, like there is a lot of redundancy that. I think if you you just give certain guys more minutes, and maybe that's where some of this falls apart. Like they're just getting the right amount; they've got the right rotation. But um, you know, I do see a correction still coming. I'm not. I don't want. I'm not going to completely go all the way on this yet. But I mean, Ultra, what if we see another month of this? If they have another December, like they you know started out, because really, I mean, we're almost at a 25 game mark where a lot of these teams are what they are. Uh, in in certain components, like is this thing is this thing gonna keep going? Like uh, this... I think if the Cli- if the Clippers stayed healthy without losing any of their major role players to injury for an ex- for you know any significant period of time, they'll they'll be a playoff team. They're nine games above five hundred. They will probably be a playoff team the way things that stand now um yeah. but what is what is more likely that gallinari is going to stay healthy the rest of the season or that he's going to miss a couple weeks and then who replaces that scoring for him like maybe you get some maybe you have lou williams play some more minutes yeah i don't think that's enough i don't so know that's man. the You've thing got... with this team is like they're getting just enough. You got Matabute can do some. Outs- can it still be a stretch for you, player for you? He's, he's not as fif- much off the dribble. Fif- he's playing fifteen minutes a night, though. He's taking right. less than two threes a game. Right? Yeah, but I'm saying like that's your fill in there. That's what I'm saying. Some of this redundancy, like 
he can not to the same level as Gallant, but there's there's redundancies across the board on this team that I you could really uh, I could just see you kind of move the barometer of just like you almost move like the two K minutes like just over on one guy to another and it just it's it's kind of this constant scale. Now that's granted those guys are are producing when they're they're given those minutes and you kinda keep that median average, but there, I don't really see. I would say Tobias Harris is the argument I would make is like the guy that if they were to really lose through an extended period of time, like I don't see anyone necessarily on this roster that's gonna fill that and give you those same kind of intangibles that that Tobias has. Some of those those skill sets, but other than that, like even like between like Pat Bev and, and Avery Bradley, there's redundancies there. There's redundancies between. Shea Gilder, I mean, there's it's 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 nice, man. I mean, it's one of those teams that I don't no one was talking about. I don't really want to hear anyone no, say they were. But like I, I still don't didn't Gallinari is shooting forty six percent from three so far this season. I think that's gonna come down a bit. Yeah, Tobias has been shooting forty two percent. Maybe he finishes that's possibly that could, stayed around there. Right? I think it's he could possible. I think he could keep that. But if you see a dip in three point shooting from Gallinari, you you get an injury here or there. I don't. I still think this team is going to be, but battling for a lower seed in the Western Conference. But really, we'll see. Yeah. Could I they, think they, they snap take back the Jazz spot? Maybe they take point. the Jazz spot in the top end. Maybe. I I that's like the team I'm kind of looking at now is like. Jazz are probably gonna be in the playoffs, so I'm not worried about that. But they might, they might have just with some of their their early start, just they ain't gonna go on a 26 game run, buddy. <laughs> hey, I mean, it's possible. Maybe they, maybe they're just a second half team, and Jazz will put it together. They're yes, the, they're the, they're the cat in team form. In team form, okay. But they actually um, make to the playoffs. We should probably touch on quick. Uh, we've, a lot, I guess we, I mean, Bulls are Eastern Conference, so Eastern Conference got some love. But the other big news uh, in the Eastern Conference was uh, Marco Fultz's injury diagnosis, which I'm now all of a sudden blanking on the technical term, but it sounds like he's his timetable. His timetable is optimistically three to six weeks, but but they found longer. something. It's not that just actually have. He's been diagnosed with something. So Marco Fultz has been, this is according to Woj, who quotes from his agent, Raymond Brothers, Marco Fultz has been diagnosed with neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome, a physical injury. TOS affects nerves between the neck and shoulder, resulting in abnormal functional movements in range of motion, thus severely severely shoot a basketball. What? That is, whoa, what are you tweeting? I read that for what he said. So it's a nerve-based injury. Um, so it's it's not something we, we we reach out to some medical professionals we know, buddy, right? And they they were saying we I never heard of this before. Um, you know, some of the things just that it's a uh, yeah, it's a nerve injury, um, and it can kind of it causes some sensation, numbness, tingling. Kind of those pins and needles. Um, so it is something that, you know, based on shooting, not even having that touch and feel, um, there could be issues there. And it's it's something that does kind of explain what's been happening in, in some ways. It sure does. I just, I feel like now... Now that there's something more concrete, I don't know if it's more likely that he gets moved before he comes back or less likely. But hopefully, now that they this is something that can be treated, uh, it sounds like, and he can move past it, and that would be awesome because I want to see, I want to see what the hell uh, that kid can do. Yeah, I would, I would like it if he could just, yeah. At least we we get a sense of like being able to see him and and just maybe some of that potential that he was touted to have and just you know going through that draft process what people were were expecting from him. 
Right. Uh, any any shout outs before we call it a night? Yeah, you? got to shout out Giannis for winning Player of the Month last month. Uh, you know, would be remorse not to read off his monthly stats, which he averaged 27.3 points per game, 12.9 rebounds, six assists, and one and a half steals. And really good MVP odds that we locked in before he did all this stuff. My so. sweet, sweet prince. I don't give a damn what guard packs do. They can't touch Giannis. Can't affect him. Can't bum out my Giannis buzz. All that money that I, I might have spent to go see some more Bulls games, this season, I'm going to be saving into the Bucks playoff fund. Those Eastern Conference Finals funds, Ultra. Yep, we're we got to make up some money somewhere, so we got to figure something out. Um, yeah, we do. The only um, who had a worse who's who's had a worse start, us or Fred? We've been lacking energy and spirit ourselves. So one of us needs to get fired. Well, it's hard when you lose every time. I mean, we've, we can't yeah. buy a win. It's unbelievable. But yeah, I probably us. I don't I'd feel fire like we've us. won. I don't feel like we've won five out of twenty-four bets. No. I feel like we've lost less than. Nah, we haven't won, won five out of twenty. Five out of twenty-four, we might have done. It's close though, right? It's real close. <laughs> it's real. It's, it's unfortunately close. very close. Uh, this is sad. The only shout-out I had, which is really deserving every year when I have to do a bunch of Christmas shopping, is shout-out to really any retailer that offers online shopping and just shipping it to my home because I hate having to go out and shop when uh, when the weather is cold and i got to brave the crowds. and um, So really, you know, shout-out Amazon most of all. Uh, prime shipping is worth it. Just uh, take advantage of it during December. Um that's all I got. Shout out Coaching Harder. Shout out oh, Coaching Harder. And shout out, since we're recording on, on December 4th, we could not not shout out Jay-Z. Happy birthday, Jay-Z. Yeah, it's a big day. Greatest rapper oh. alive. Um, all right. Who I actually got well. good bars? Hey, let's, let's, let's just re- recap on that, too. That meek free milk. milk, the free meek movement got us Jay-Z bars in 2018. Yeah, it sure did. I mean, um, well, I mean that you've listened to the their new album, right? Yeah. Have you, okay. But I'm just saying that, like, I don't know if Jay Z just does the Meek they album if it Jay-Z wasn't and Beyonce. But what? I mean, I said they being Jay Z and Beyonce, but doing the album, yeah. But I'm specifically talking about those Jay Z bars. Right, but you made it sound like he hadn't come out with any music this year, potentially, and I'm like, well, he didn't no. come out with an album this year. Yeah, but I, he didn't put he didn't rap like he did. He was no. not allowed to rap the way he wanted to, however, how he did on Meek's album on that his album with Beyonce. No, slightly different content. That is for sure. Yeah. He wasn't. He uh, didn't put out anything that he put out on the the Meek album. I was just mainly shouting out that. Because I don't think Jay Z's put doing a Meek Mill album if kind of some of that, just the overall social backing that he re, that Meek Mill received. I don't think if just Meek Mill was just doing another album, he was he was getting Jay Z. Nah, I don't think so either. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, not really surprised that he's throwing some shade at uh, Donald Trump in that one. No, That's no, for sure. I mean, no, not not at all. Did you do you think when he was that those the part about like the Kanye thing, like do you think he was that was all directed at Kanye or do you think he was more so it's like speaking to Trump? I thought it was more speaking to Trump. Same. You and I could do that's a different podcast yeah. on like a deep dive on what jay-z and kanye's relationship looks like is like yeah i don't want to get into the whole thing of that but i did like his comparison in a way to the well, prince just, michael stuff but just, that, just and that's the, not time, even the direct, timing but. it's the timing it's coming out and the fact that kanye has distanced himself from donald trump over the last month ever since he showed up on snl and lost completely flipped his lid um you know hopefully that means that it it essentially went from Kanye like defending himself and showing it on social media when John Legend is like calling him out for supporting things he shouldn't be supporting 
and uh, Kanye just sticking to his guns and continuing to support the president. And, guns, um, yeah, hell's yeah, the guns. <laughs> I meant that. I didn't mean that uh, directly, but literally. Ultra. And then all of a sudden, what? Zion Williams is going to have to play at Hartford tomorrow. Does that make sense? Should he shouldn't be playing Hartford. He should be getting ready to play like the Suns tomorrow night. Or the the Charlotte Hornets. You know, man, I just actually I don't know if I agree with you. That team, they could lose to anybody now. They they got to get they got to go out there and and show they can compete against all these college squads. I I just don't know. I can't pretend like I know how this stuff works. I didn't think that they were going to lose a game at all, and they lost to Gonzaga. And Gonzaga's great. I mean, they're the number one team in the country now, but um, I still <coughs> I still am surprised in getting over that loss. But I do do think it's a pretty unlikely. I don't think they're going to lose Hanford, I think is what you said that they were playing. And I don't see them losing that game. But when does, AC, when does ACC play start for them? Big Ten play started already. Well, uh, I, think we, I think we may have lost PJ there for some technical difficulties. But thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon.